0: was always so grateful and excited for you guys to be with us. And uh, I was going over just thinking about what I felt God wanted me to communicate with you guys uh, tonight. And I was thinking about something. One of my uh, biggest pet peeves, either in person but especially even online, is when um, people, especially like unbelievers, someone who doesn't even have a relationship with God, misquotes the Bible and, uh, and tries to like use it against you and so you know they'll say certain things but for me there's, there's none more common than this one um, God says you're not supposed to judge people. Anybody ever heard that before? Anybody ever tell you that? Oh you're not supposed to judge people. God says don't judge people or here's my favorite one. Only God can judge me. Get out of my face. Only God can judge me. Only God can tell me what to do. Da 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 da. And in my mind I'm like yeah, and he will judge you. Doesn't that freak you out? Like aren't you a little nervous about that? But I started thinking about that because a lot of times we bring that same mentality into the church and there's this defensiveness that we have where we think, well, we shouldn't judge people and we shouldn't we should just accept people for how they are and who they are and and let's not be judgmental. And I want to clarify some of that because I think that can be wrong thinking or at least biblically wrong thinking because it's important for you to understand Uh, When you're saying don't judge people, you're not saying that we accept everything, okay? And and, and there's something in the Bible that helps us to understand this a little bit further. And so if you have your Bibles, I really want us to look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 5. This is Jesus. Uh, he's going through a number of sermons in these chapters, and he comes across this teaching that I think it's important for you and I to understand. And listen to what the Word of God says. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 5. It says, do not judge others, or you will, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is a standard by which you will be judged and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own how can you think of saying to your friend let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see the past or you can't see past the log in your own eye hypocrite first get rid of the log in your own eye and then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye now if you look at the beginning of this passage all you might notice is do not judge others I don't know if you've ever had people like this in your life, but you ever come across someone who only hears what they want to hear, right? Ladies, I'm going to give you a good example on this. I see this mostly with ladies, but I'm sure you guys experience this too. But let's say a young gentleman approaches you, he he lets his intentions known, you know, he looks at you and goes, hey, maybe you and me, you know, Hey, and you're like, ah, Dito, no, you are not cute. No, this is not going to go, right? Now, you don't say that part out loud. But what you would say is you might say something like this. Oh, I just, you know, I don't want to really date right now. Or I just don't feel like this is going to work right now. You said, I don't want to date. You said, this ain't going to work. All he heard was right now. So what does he do? He, he lays back and he waits, right? He goes into full simp mode. He just, you know, is going to keep doing what he's going to do, hoping that at some point you're going to let him in because all he heard was right now. Oftentimes, we will hold on to the thing we want to hear, not necessarily the thing that's trying to be communicated to us. And when it comes to this passage, more often than not, when readers read this, all they hear is do not judge others. And, and they stick to that. Like, okay. Do not judge others. We're not supposed to judge. Judging isn't a good thing. God is against judging, so let's not do it. And you fail to look at the rest of it, right? Because if the whole point was to never judge, then why would God go on to say, the standard you use in judging is the standard that you will be judged? In other words, you can't assume no judging because later on he says, but when you do judge, this is the standard that you should be judging by. And so you got to understand that judgment is a word that's used in a couple different ways, and there's specific ways that God is trying to communicate in this. There's four things I really want to point out when it comes to judging, because here's the truth all of us make judgment calls naturally. And they're not always bad, right? Like if you meet somebody for the first time, you're making some judgment calls. You're trying to figure out is this person nice? Is this person. Trying to talk to me, especially in Chicago. Like, if you're walking down the street and someone comes up to you, right off the bat, you're like, okay, are they trying to hand me, like, a Bible or are they trying to murder me? Like, I don't know what your angle is. I don't know who you are. And I've been to other places in the country where you can go to somebody hey, and they'll wave back at you. And y'all know here, somebody waves at you, immediately you're like, well, what do you want? Why are you talking to me? Why are you near me? Like, don't come near me. Like, what's going on? And so we have this idea. We always are going to judge. It's just, it's just natural, right? You meet somebody new. You come across somebody. Uh, you're, you're, you're having conversations. There are judgments that are being made in your mind. The reality is that we should, not that we should never judge, it's how to judge. What's the right way to make judgments? And so if you're taking notes, here's the first thing I'd love for you to write down. Judging must start in-house. Now, I'm going to be talking in regards to believers, okay, Christians, and so when it comes to judging, you got to start in-house. Here's what I mean by that. Judging others refers to the family of God, and oftentimes what we do is we judge unbelievers by believer standards. So maybe you grew up in church, and you were taught to live a certain way, and you were taught to act a certain way according to the Bible, and then you see someone else who didn't grow up that way, and you start judging them based on your standards, godly standards, not on what they know. And the problem with that is, well, they never signed up for what you signed up for. And they were never taught what you were taught. And so you're judging them. You're sitting there going, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, he's making out with everybody or, you know, she's getting drunk. And you're like having all these ideas. But you don't know where they grew up. You don't know what was taught to be acceptable in their family. You don't know their background on these things. And that's not fair to judge them by Christian standards when they weren't. It's not your responsibility to make that kind of judgment call. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12 to 13 says it just like that. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it is certainly your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside, but as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. So here's the deal. If, if I'm playing a game, and you are engaged in the game. You got to follow the rules of the game we're playing. And if you're not, like if we're playing basketball and you're committing fouls, I'm going to call you out on the foul. Right? Because you agreed. And now if we're playing a game of basketball and someone's walking down the street, not even looking at us, and I yell out, foul! They're going to think I'm weird. Right? They're not a part of the game we're playing. This is what's going on here. And what the Bible is saying is when it comes to the, God's house, when it comes to the people of God, we got to be careful about judging people on the outside. But that doesn't mean we don't make judgment calls on the inside. That doesn't mean that if A.J. is going around and and he's gossiping and he's talking bad about Jeremiah and he's telling everybody, oh, Jeremiah's like this and and Jeremiah's like that. That doesn't mean that I shouldn't go up to A.J. and go, hey, you know what, bro, what you're doing is not cool. Oh, you shouldn't judge me. No, I have to judge you because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And the Bible says that we got to call each other out when we're doing Now, I'm not going to do it publicly. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to promote publicly. I'm going to rebuke privately. I'm going to pull you aside and say, hey, listen, I got to call you out on this because that's not cool. All right? That's what we're called to do. And so here's the deal. You need to embrace that to a certain extent. And we're going to talk about how to do that in a minute. But if you know that someone in your small group, is not living right, is not doing right, but they're professing to be a Christian and and they're leading worship and they're praying in the small group and you and everyone else in your small group know that they're not living up to that, you're just going to sit there and go, you're a hypocrite and the leaders don't even know it. And that doesn't help anybody. What helps them, because a lot of times we leave our judgment in our mind. Then when it comes to the people of God, what we need to do is we need to go up to that brother or sister in love and say, hey, listen, I've noticed these things in your life, and I want to bring this up to you, not because I'm, I'm, you know, think I'm better than you, not because I'm trying to embarrass you. I just, you know, I know you're not going down the right road. And as your brother or sister of Christ, I want to make sure that I at least let you know what's going on in your life. Doesn't mean they're always going to like it, because most people don't like being called out. But it is important for us to hold each other accountable. Because what good is it to the rest of the body? Like when you bring your new friend in, they get saved, they love church, and then they start seeing all your hypocrite friends in church, and they think, I don't want to be a part of this. Why? Because everybody here is fake. Well, they're fake because we let it sit in that. Again, I'm not saying we kick everybody out, but we call everybody out. Just like, again, if we're playing basketball and someone keeps traveling, it doesn't help us to just ignore that. right? If you're supposed to dribble the ball and you're running 500 miles an hour with it, it's like, can somebody call that? Like, I don't want to keep playing the game with somebody who's doing that. And so eventually, you address the issue so that everything else can work better. Judgment has to start here. Before we start calling somebody else, I remember uh, a few years ago, we were having this event, so there was a lot of new kids who came, and uh, one of the students came up to me, and they're like, Pastor Joey, there's this girl who's, who's sitting on this kid's lap. And I'm like, are they new here? Yeah. They've never been here? No. Just leave it alone. They're like, are you sure we shouldn't say something? I was like, not right now. I mean, if they start, like, making out all crazy and it starts looking like a weird thing, like, then maybe I'll be like, hey, dude, you shouldn't do that. Chill out. Like, okay. But I'm like, they're new. They don't know. They didn't sign up for this. To them, that's a natural behavior. That's something they do all the time. And so what happens is if I go up and I'm like, hey, you're supposed to be pure. Stop acting like that. Get off his lap. How dare you, young lady? How dare you, young man? You think they're ever going to want to come back? I You know what, forget you. And so there's a level of grace that you have for outsiders. Now, if I walk in and one of y'all is sitting on somebody's lap, I got no problem going, hey, somebody's about to get beat, you better get up right now. Either me or your mama are going to hit you, so you better get up right now, right? It's different, why? Because we're, we're already here, we know what's up, you know better, it's a little bit easier to deal with something like that. I'm not gonna be afraid to call you out because I already know I taught you better when it comes to the word of God. And so you can't sit there and be like, well, I don't know. Judgment begins in-house. The second thing I noticed in this scripture is you gotta have the right motives when you're judged. If you're taking notes, number two, judging must have the right motives. Oftentimes, when we judge, it's this thing that we do in our head in order to think less of somebody or think more of ourselves because we think less of somebody. And you got to be careful about that judgment that you're making on somebody. Why are you making that judgment? What's the motive behind that judgment? Is it because you want to lift them up? You want to call them out on something that's hurting their lives and you want to help them get better? Or is it just you want to think less of them? You want to look down on them? John chapter 7 verse 24 says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Again, this is reinforcing the idea that we're going to make judgments. There's just a right way to do it. Now, we break this command to judge correctly when we think worse of others. Right when someone comes in, and just because you know you're a hater, and they look a certain way, and you're like, oh, I can't stand that person. And listen, I've been there. Right, I remember in school when a new guy came in, and he looked good, and everybody knew he looked good. I was like, I do ugly, smells. You know, I heard this. Why? Hate, 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 hate all day long. Why? Because I don't like him. Because he's better looking than me. <laughs> right? Because everyone else is liking him, and now I don't like him. Like, we start to do stuff like that. We break this command when we only speak about other people's faults. If all you do is point out what somebody does wrong and you're constantly talking bad about them, you're judging with the wrong motive. There's got to be something good about this person. They're not just a laundry list of bad things. We break this command when we judge an entire life only on its worst moments. When you judge an entire life based on one or two bad things they've done recently, and you dismiss everything else, you're judging incorrectly. Listen, people are going to make mistakes. We have all made mistakes. Some of our mistakes are going to be more public than others. But you don't throw out an entire life because of one mistake in a moment. We judge others incorrectly when we judge them uh, with the hidden motives of others. Right, when we're just trying to tear them down because one of our friends doesn't like them. We break this command when we judge others without considering ourselves in the same circumstance. A lot of times we judge somebody simply because we haven't been in the situation that they've been in. And I would see this a lot, especially like when a celebrity, like somebody like Justin Bieber would come out about his faith. And then later on you'd see him doing something that's not godly. And everyone's like, oh, see, it was fake, it was fake. And I'm sitting there going, you know what? If I was a huge music star who looked like that and could get anything he wanted and be with anyone he wants to be with and go, I mean, I probably would make a lot of those same mistakes. You know, a lot of times, even growing up when I was dating, I was a faithful person, mostly because I didn't have any other options. How was I going to cheat? Nobody else wanted me. I was just one person guy. Right, But if you get options, if you have opportunities, if you grow, if you're put in the same situation as somebody else, maybe you judge differently. And a lot of times we judge somebody simply because we've never been in the position that they've been in. We judge someone based on, on, on what they're wearing. Oh, look at that. They got some ugly shoes. Look at that old shirt they got. What, what if you grew up in the situation they grew up with? What if you had a single mom that was working really hard and, yeah, they had to go and get some clothes and borrow it from somebody to do it. But you don't know their situation. You act like you got money. You don't got money. Your parents got money. You're broke, okay? You're just as broke as everybody else. And so a lot of times we make these judgment calls. I'll be honest with you. This is a bad story, but it's true. I was in in grammar school and we had uh, my school was half children with disabilities, half children in general education. And there was this guy in a full body cast in a wheelchair. And he had these clean, beautiful Jordans. I think they were Jordan 11s. And he is just making fun of me because I could only get one pair of shoes a year. And, and they were, you know, they were, like, hungry, you know what I'm talking about? They're, like, talking to each other. And, and it was all busted at the scene. And he goes, look at your dirty shoes. Look at your ugly shoes, man. I got Jordans. I got... And I'm like, bro, you better shut up. And he keeps, I mean, he kept dogging at me. He's like, look at your ugly shoes. And I was like, man, the only reason your Jordans are clean is because you can't walk. <laughs> And then I was like, oh, I'm going to hell. I'm sorry, dude. That wasn't cool. My bad, bro. I didn't mean to do that. You you made me mad. (laughs) Listen, sometimes we make calls on somebody. You don't know their story. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know the kind of life that they've lived. You don't know the kind of home they got to go home to. And you're sitting there laughing at them, making fun of their situation. What if that's the best they could get? Who are you to sit there and judge them and laugh at them and and make these things when it's not even on them? Listen, we break this command when we judge others without being mindful that we ourselves are going to be judged. We're judging other people acting like we don't get judged. And this is an important aspect that you and I need to understand, something that Matthew chapter 7 is trying to illustrate. It says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. When you do, though, judge... Make sure that it's the same measure, right? If you're taking notes, number three, you need to understand that judging must be fair. Judging has to be fair. The Bible is clear. Whatever measure you use to judge others will be the same measurement that God will use to judge you. So, so... You've got to give grace. I was thinking about this. Let's say we were playing a game, right, and, and, and I pull AJ up and I'm like, hey, AJ, you're going to play against Jonathan. And uh, I want you to just throw a ball, uh, you know, ping pong ball in a bucket. But you get to decide how far Jonathan' bucket is from him. Now, if he wants to win, he might think I'll put it on the other side of the room until I tell him, oh, by the way, you're going to have to shoot the same shot. If I find out I'm shooting the same shot, I'm going to make it easier for me. Why? Because we're, we're doing the same thing a lot of times we judge people without understanding that that level of grace or mercy or that lack of grace and mercy that you're showing that person is what's going to be given to you and so if it were me i'm going to make the standard good i'm going to show a lot of grace because i want a lot of grace i'm going to give a lot of room for them to mess up because i want a lot of room for them to mess for me to mess up right if you're if you're doing a test and the teacher says hey listen uh, all of you are going to have a test, and uh, Sal, I'm going to let you decide how many questions there are going to be, and everyone gets to do the same one. I'm going to be like, one question, please. <laughs> and you make it the easiest one. Why? Because we all got to do it. We need to be careful because God is calling us not just to judge but to understand that we ourselves are going to be judged. Listen, Romans chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 says, you may think that you can condemn such people but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. Ooh, that's good right there. You are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself for you who judge others do the very same things. Let's be honest with ourselves. How often have we judged somebody not even thinking, oh man, I've done the same thing they've done. I just never got caught. I've never been exposed the way they got exposed. Or nobody noticed it. Or I didn't even recognize it. But so often we judge people for the very same thing we do. Oftentimes the reason we're mad and the reason we're making that judgment is because we don't like the fact that we do it. And this is what the Bible is saying. Listen, you think you're better than them? You're not better than them. You're doing the same thing they're doing. For you who judge others do the very same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, talented, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that this kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? What what is the Bible saying right there? saying, listen, you're no better than nobody else. You're not, you're not sitting here on a higher horse than anybody else. Just because you sin differently doesn't mean you're better than somebody. We're all sinners. We all make mistakes. We all do things incorrectly. And when we sit there and we start tearing somebody else down, and more often than not, the reason we're doing that is to make ourselves feel good, if we're honest. The reason we rip somebody apart is because if they suck, maybe I don't suck as much. If I can make fun of them, then I'll feel better about me, right? If everyone thinks they're a loser, nobody will think I'm a loser. And so what we do is, in order to lift ourselves up, we try to push somebody else down. It's like one time I was at those, remember those wave pools, those pools where these giant waves would come in? And a couple of my friends, they'd get nervous every time the wave pool would come in. So what they would do is they'd put their hands on my shoulders, and when the wave would come, they'd push up. And so here I am drowning in a wave, like not having fun. This is not a good experience for me. And they're like, oh, thank you, John. I was like, shut up. Get off my shoulders. Like, you're literally killing me. And and a lot of times that's what happens. In order to save ourselves, in order to save our self-esteem, in order to save our ego, in order to save our joy, we ruin somebody else's. And it makes me feel better knowing that you're worse. And what God is saying is, hey, by the way, you're just as bad as that person. You're no better than them. (laughs) There's nothing about you that makes you better than them because we all fall short of the glory of God. And so be careful when you point fingers to remember that three more are pointing back at you. This is part of what God is trying to help us. And then he takes it a step further. He's saying, listen. I'm not saying this to condemn you. What I'm saying is I'm not judging you according to that standard. I'm giving you grace and mercy. And so if I'm giving you that, why aren't you recognizing it enough to hand it to somebody else, to give someone else grace and mercy? There's another story in the Bible uh, where a man had a great debt that he owed, and the guy comes to collect his debt, let's just say it was something like $5,000, Or $50,000 to make it a higher number. He owed a $50,000 debt. He didn't have enough time to pay for it. And and he's begging the dude for mercy. And the guy goes, you know what? Don't worry about the debt. We're cool. We're squared away, no problem. then the Bible tells that the servant leaves and he sees another guy who owed him 50 bucks. And he starts beating the guy who owed him 50 bucks and he gets that guy thrown in jail because he hasn't paid him his 50 bucks. Well, all the other servants hear about this. And they think that's not cool. Are you kidding me? You just got $50,000 debt cleared, and now you're beating somebody up for 50 bucks? So they go and they tell the guy who cleared his debt, and that guy got furious. He said, you're telling me I forgave you 50 grand, and you're not willing to forgive somebody 50 bucks? And the Bible says that he got him, threw him in jail, and his whole family enslaved He collected his debt and some. Listen, God at any point can look at us and our unwillingness to forgive somebody's minor trespass and throw all of our major trespasses back in our face and condemn us as our sin deserves. And God says, but I'm not gonna do that to you. So don't do that to somebody else. By the same measure of grace and forgiveness you are willing to offer someone is the same measure God will offer you. Knowing that, I'm gonna give somebody a lot of benefit of the doubt. I'm going to make sure that people get it. And here's the deal with that, if you're taking notes number four. Judging must begin with yourself. You got to look at you first. Because what I've learned over my years is the more I've recognized my own wickedness, the more I've recognized my own capability of sin, the more grace and mercy I've been willing to show somebody else. There's a lot of times where we get really upset over somebody's offense because we act like we've never offended someone. And we get this righteous indignation and we start coming at them and we start attacking them as if you've never done anything, as if you're the most holy of all holies. But when you actually take time to look in the mirror and examine the own wickedness of your heart and realize, man, I've messed up a lot in my life. Even stuff that nobody knows about. That only God knows about. And God doesn't throw it in my face. It begins to change things. A matter of fact, there's another story in Luke. And I love this story because I think it paints such a great picture. And Jesus is trying to paint this picture to help people understand the image that I'm trying to say. Luke chapter 18, verse 10 through 14. It says, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. Let me give you context on what we're talking about here. A Pharisee was a religious leader of those days. It's somebody who's esteemed by the public. It would be the equivalent of like a pastor. A tax collector in those days, uh, the Jewish culture was being run by the Roman government. And so they would appoint tax collectors to collect tax from the Jewish people on behalf of the Roman government. And the reason tax collectors were hated was, number one, they were looked at as people who betrayed their own people. They're working for the foreign government who's basically taken over them. But two, almost all tax collectors were thieves. So if the Roman government said, hey, I need you to collect $50 from everybody for Roman taxes, they would go and collect $75. And they would take the $25 and pocket it for themselves. So they would despise. Like they were hated, hated beyond belief, Right. They were just the biggest tattletales and thieves, and Jewish people didn't like them. And Jesus knows this. So he's given this illustration. He said, hey, there's an, an esteemed and, and great religious leader, a pastor, and there's this, like, tax collector. And I was like, ooh, I hate tax collectors. It's just, the image is already set. And he goes on to say, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers, I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. A lot of times we look at our lives and we think I'm better than that person. Thank God I'm not like them. At least I'm not like so-and-so. I can't believe she would do that. I can't believe he did that. I would never do that. I'm never going to be like that. I am so much better than that person. And that's what he's saying. He's literally talking to God and going, man, I'm so grateful that I'm not jacked up like everybody else. I'm not a cheater. I'm not a sinner. I'm not an adulterer. And I'm not like that dude. Now, listen, this isn't something we would vocally say. And I don't think this is something that we would readily admit to ourselves, but this is something we do. Every one of us, at some point or another, has looked at somebody else and thought, at least I'm not like that person. Has walked down the street and saw a homeless person passed out drunk on the floor and thought, at least I'm not that person. Matter of fact, I remember one time I was coming back from school. Uh, I was going to Lane at the time, and I had failed my first semester of drafting. Hated drafting. I can't can't draw a straight line if my life depended on it. I'm just really bad at drafting. And so drafting is like this class. You get this big T-square, and it's just, I don't even think they have it anymore. But anyway, I remember I got off the bus. I was on Central and Addison trying to get back to the house, and there was this homeless man who came over to me, and he sat next to me, and I've I've never been somebody who's mean, so I was just talking with the guy, and uh, we're going back and forth, and he smelled like alcohol, and he was dirty and grimy. And uh, he's like, You just get back from school? I was like, Yeah. He saw the T square in my book bag. He's like, Where do you go? I was like, Oh, I go to Lane. He looks at me he goes, I went to Lane. I was like, Really? He's like, You taking drafting? I was like, Yeah. He's like, Yeah, I failed drafting. And I was like, Oh, man, I better do good in drafting. <laughs> but in that moment, I realized I could be in the same situation that you're in. Nobody wakes up one day and says, Can't wait to be homeless. Can't wait to be a drug addict. Can't wait to be a drunk. Can't wait to beat my family. These are things that happen over a series of years, and it's not our responsibility to judge those people for that, for mistakes they've made and and things that have happened to their lives. As a matter of fact, I wrote a quote that said, most homeless people are not homeless because they run out of money. It's because they run out of relationships. People just give up on them. And it's important for you and I to have enough compassion to understand that I don't know what's gone on in your life. I don't know why you're homeless. I don't know if there was a fire and all your life savings burned up. I don't know if you got fired during the 2008 depression and and everything you had is gone and your family. I don't know your situation, man. I don't know if you became a drug addict. I remember I heard a testimony of one man who was a CFO of one of the most powerful companies in Chicago. He took drugs, this one I don't want to name them, but it was a pretty heavy drug, and uh, they call it um, the one hitter because you take one hit and you're hooked automatically. He said within one week he was homeless living on the streets, and he lived downtown in a million-dollar condo. I don't know your story, man. I don't know what, what happened. So who am I to sit here and judge? Because I could have found myself in that same situation. So he goes on to see this this whole story where he's looking at this tax collector and he thinks, man, I'd never be like that. Thank God I'm not like that. But listen to the tax collector. It says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He didn't even feel like he was worthy enough to go near God. And he beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. I tell you this, this sinner, not the Pharisee, Returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus is making a point here. When you lift yourself up, God and life are going to take you down. But when you humble yourself before God and you realize, I'm, I'm messed up. I don't have everything together. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I need to be. And I'm not even worthy enough to talk to you, God. But I'm grateful that I can. God will lift that person up. God will encourage that person. God will inspire that person. And oftentimes, we act just like the tax collector. We look down on somebody else and we think, at least I haven't done what they've done. You know, I never would get pregnant when I was a teenager and I would never do this. And the, You don't know. You don't know what you're capable of doing. As a matter of fact, I was just talking with one of the leaders about this earlier, I have no confidence in what I won't do. There's a lot of things that I do for myself. For example, I I try never to be alone with any of the students. Because as much as I look at you like children and like my own kids, I know the wickedness of man's heart. I don't ever want to be caught in a position where I would even be tempted, let alone have an opportunity to do something That would violate my relationship with God, my family, and anything else. So I don't put myself in those situations. I I understand that my heart is wicked beyond measure and that I'm capable of even the worst sins. And I'm grateful that by the grace of God, I'm not in that situation. So who am I to judge somebody who is? Who am I to look down on somebody who's made some mistakes and who's messed up? Instead of looking down and pointing fingers, I want to look down and extend a hand and lift somebody up. So, Pastor Jason, if you can help me out. I think one of the most important aspects of this, not just understanding the fact that we need to be fair in judgment, we need to start with ourselves, we need to make sure that we have the right motives, we need to judge within the house of God before we look at anybody else. That's all true. But when it comes to judgment, here's the reality that really set in for me, is that at the end of your life, whether it's God who comes back and takes the whole world or you and your life the day that your number is up, at some point, we're all going to face judgment before God. At some point, we're going to stand before God and be held accountable for the life that we lived. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, for we must all appear... Before the judgment seat of Christ, that each man may receive what's due to him according to what he has done while in the body, whether it be good or bad. We're all going to face judgment at some point or another. And none of us are going to face that judgment with clean hands as far as our own lives. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We've lied. We've done stuff that we know we shouldn't have done. We've all been in that situation. But here's the hope that I have, and here's the joy that I have. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 9, it says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. The only thing that's keeping you from the judgment seat of Christ being a bad decision and condemnation and hell and all that is the grace of God. And he didn't wait until you were better. He did it while you were in the worst of your sin. If you look in the Old Testament, there's a story um, of Jesus, no, Jesus of God when he was getting the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. And if you've seen any of the movies, you read any of the stories, you hear about the 10 plagues. You know, the lotus and frogs and blood in the river. If you're like, I never knew about that, read it. Really cool stuff. But God sends these plagues in order to get Egypt to be willing to let go of the Israelites. Essentially, he's saying, if y'all don't let my people go, bad stuff's going to keep happening. And Pharaoh is not budging. Pharaoh's digging his heels in. He's angry. He's like, I'm not going to do it. And the final plague was that every firstborn would die. It would, death would basically sweep over that land and every firstborn would die. And the Bible says that God instructed the people of God to take a lamb and to smear the blood over their doorway and that death would pass over and not kill those people. I need you to understand, it wasn't the righteousness of those inside, it was the blood on the outside that prevented judgment and death. It's not that they were better than the Egyptians. It's not that they were better than Pharaoh. It's none of that. It's only the fact that they were covered by the blood of the lamb. And the blood of the lamb is what prevented the righteous judgment of God to take away a life that they didn't deserve. In the same way, the blood of Jesus is over the doorway of our hearts. And the only reason that none of us are dropping dead right now from the judgment of God is because of the grace of God and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Knowing that we've been cleared of way more than $50,000 debt, but a life debt, who are we to then point fingers at somebody else and judge them that way? I say that so that we can increase in our mercy and grace. Because as we grow as a ministry, there's going to be a lot of people who walk in these doors. And they're going to make mistakes. And they're going to rub people the wrong way. And they're not going to know the rules. And they're going to go through all this other stuff. And they don't need you to judge them. All we need you to do is love them. Ultimately, God is the the final judge. We're just called to be witnesses to his love. So I want to ask you to stand real quick. And we're going to close. And I want you to just close your eyes for a moment and bow your head. And I want you to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to point out some areas in your life that maybe you haven't been willing to recognize. So often we're so busy judging somebody else that we don't recognize the faults and the flaws in our own lives. And listen, I get it. A lot of you are sitting here. Well, Pastor, I never murdered anybody. I've never, you know, committed adultery. Like I'm 12, and it would be easy to think, "Hey, I'm fine." But listen, that's not the point. Sometimes the Bible says, "If you know what you ought to do and you don't do it, that's sin." So for some of you, it's Pastor. I haven't really taken my relationship with God seriously. I haven't been praying. I haven't been reading my Bible. I come here really just to hang out with people, but I'm not serious about growing in my relationship with God. But tonight the conviction of the Holy Spirit is reminding me that I have been saved by grace. And not only do I not need to be judgmental, but I need to be honest and transparent with God. I don't want to sacrifice that grace that's being given to me. So whatever it is, if there's an area in your life where you need God to help you with, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to point it out. And maybe even if you're watching online, right where you're at, you can do the same thing. And I'm going to ask God to help us to move past that part, to forgive that area and to give grace for others that find in that same place. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for its clarification, Lord, because we understand that we're not called to just Point black, never judge. Lord, that's, that's, that's not reality, Lord. We live in a world where we're making judgments all the time. But, Father, we thank you that in your word you give us directions for how to judge. And one of those areas, Lord, is to begin with us, to be open and transparent with you about the things in our lives, God. And Lord, we know it's easy to look at somebody else and think, well, at least I'm not doing that and and I'm not so bad, I'm not like so-and-so. But Lord, I pray, help us to look first and foremost at our own lives, at our own heart, to be transparent, to be honest. Lord, not to to feel condemnation, but to understand conviction, meaning I, I gotta get right with you because I love you, not because I'm scared of you. Because I've been given this opportunity to live a life worthy of the sacrifice that you made for it. And I don't wanna waste that, God. I want to do right by that. I want to live in such a way that I can give the same grace I've received, that I can give the same mercy I've received, that I can love the same way I've been loved. So Father, I pray whatever area you've begun to point out, whatever area that we haven't dealt with, Lord, I pray that in this moment right here, right now, God, we would make it right with you, God. We would do exactly what it is your spirit is telling us to do, Lord. And that in the same way we would be able to Grow in those areas of our lives, God. So that when people who maybe have made mistakes and maybe aren't where we are come across our lives, they wouldn't experience a judgment, they would experience a love. We thank you for your word, God, and we thank you for helping us understand it. We ask that you be with us as we close, God, and help us to live a way that's worthy of the sacrifice that was made. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Would you give God a hand clap of praise right where you're at? Awesome. Hey, I just want to remind you, we got small groups tomorrow, so make sure you're here. Again, the Bulls are in this building. Everybody else is down the street. Lines, you're online, so make sure that you show up. Make sure that you're here on time. We got some cool announcements coming next week, so make sure that you're here to hear everything that's going on. That said, God bless you. I love you. We'll have some games open in the foyer. Come hang out with us before you take off. Have a good one, guys.